Hey, what's up? It's episode 14, Pain Points of Wealth. We're talking about after the election today. We talked about the election for the last couple of weeks, and we warned you, don't let the election get in the way of making good investment decisions. The economy is recovering, and what do you know? Bob, Chris, and I were right. Markets went straight up since we had the election, or it's theoretically over right now. We're not 100% sure, but we're pretty confident Biden will be in the White House come January. So the question is, election's over. The economy is just starting to recover. What do you do with your money now? What strategies do you utilize? What should you be looking for? And we're also going to talk about other things that can get in the way of good investing, things you need to watch out for in your portfolio to make sure you get on your path to financial independence. Let's hit it. Let's get into it. We got a great show for you this morning. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. You know, Ry, I just wish it was from like your lips to God's ears because, you know, for my baby boomer clients, it's not over. First of all, you know, I can't invest because, you know, this is the most important election of our lifetime coming up. And then the day after the election, you know, the market goes up. I still can't invest because they're not really sure who won. And then a week goes by and says, I still can't invest because they haven't decided on the Senate. And now we're going to have that runoff in sometime in January. So meanwhile, you've got baby boomers sitting in cash saying, I can't invest because I don't have any clarity on the direction of the country. Do you think we'd learn our lesson by now. I would think after the market ran up on election night, and we didn't know who's going to be in office for a good part of that night, and the market just didn't care, right? So you can talk about a blue wave. You can talk about if Trump in, if Biden was in, it would be different. It wasn't going to be different. <laughs> That's the craziest part. And what blows my mind is, you know, we keep talking about this. You've got this economic recovery happening in plain sight, and unemployment numbers, which got missed last week because the election was what anyone could talk about, just keep coming down. And in fact, unemployment today, guys, is where economists thought it was going to be at the end of next year. We're there a year ahead of schedule. That's insane. Hey, Chris, you do a lot of projections with clients almost weekly. And you know we're very conservative in our projections. Historically, the stock market makes about 10%. Net of inflation, you're about 6 to 7%. Well, isn't it interesting that in the last two weeks, the market went up almost 14%. So that's like two years worth of return in two weeks. Well, that's the scariest thing, Dad, because if you were out, you got to think about how long is it going to take for you to make up that return if you're sitting in cash. And it's funny because you know this year has really taught me a great lesson. And the one lesson is that I'm not amazed by the stock market doing well. What amazes me more is time and time again, I'm getting calls from the same exact people wanting to sell out because they're scared about what's going to happen in the future. And most recently, I got a call from somebody just yesterday saying, okay, well, you know, the market's recovered now, but what if Biden's tax plan goes through? Should we get out and take all of our profits? And my answer is no. <laughs> well, I think the question here is you have to ask yourself is, are the political leaders on Capitol Hill smarter than the captains of industry that run our biggest companies? And I think it's kind of a rhetorical question. I have to agree with you, Rye, because you know I think it's companies just sit back and say, okay, all right, what are the roadblocks they're going to create in Washington, D.C.? And they wait till the rules are set so then they can figure out how to maximize profit margins based on their new rules. So that's why there's so uncertainty about elections. 
It's not a matter it's going to change things. It's just a matter of the captains of industry, the companies that you all invest in, that we all own, are waiting to see what the rules are so they can figure out how to get around them to make the most money for their shareholders, more importantly, themselves. As I check, you know, the uh, capitalist system rewards you if your stock goes up. Yeah, it's probably the only incentive that these captains of industry think about on a daily basis is I get compensated in stock. How am I going to get that stock price to go up? What am I going to do today to do that? And when you sit in cash and you bet against that, it's like basically betting against humanity. <laughs> I don't know, Chris. I think he sounds kind of cynical. Actually, it sounds pretty truthful, really. <laughs> So yeah, but see, the thing is, it's not the election that drove the market, right, Chris? It's all these great economic numbers, right? I mean, talk about some of the great numbers that are coming out right now. I mean, yeah, just look at unemployment just fell below 800,000 in October. Not to mention, if you look at like the travel and leisure sector, just added 271,000 jobs. And I think you guys can agree that was probably the industry that was hit the hardest through this whole pandemic. Yeah. And just look what happens if we have that COVID vaccine. I mean, Pfizer just shocked the world with 90% efficacy. You know, Dr. Fauci said the other day, if we get a vaccine with 60%, I'm hopeful. 90% efficacy, guys. That's an incredible rate. It's an amazing development when Pfizer developed this vaccine in such a short period of time and with such success. Yeah. And the thing is, it's crazy is think about all that pent up demand right now as things incrementally reopen. We saw it this past weekend, guys. We celebrated Chris's birthday in Rhode Island. Happy 40th, Chris. You're catching up to me. And actually, Chris is the younger brother. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, younger. He's much more mature is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Some people would say that, Bob. Some people would say that. But you know, it was amazing to me. It was a beautiful, sunny weekend. Here we are hanging out in Rhode Island, and people were out in droves. You could just feel it in the air. People just want to be out. They want to spend a little bit of money. And we know from the statistics that are out there is Americans are sitting on a lot of cash right now. It's not like they've been blowing it and it's not like they're cash poor right now. The savings rates have been off the charts since the beginning of the year. And it's like the most crazy dynamic. We actually have a conservative American spender and that's like never happened before where Americans are saving like they'd never have in the past. Yeah, but right. It's like a horse race. You know, we got the consumer is in the starting gate and they got all this pent up energy. As soon as that gate opens and the bell rings, the consumer will do what they've always done since you and I and Chris have been alive. They've got to spend, spend, spend. I've been doing a lot of annual reviews these past few weeks, and it's really interesting. The big thing that I found, and these are like with my biggest spenders, you know, the people that you work with that consistently overspend every single year, despite what you say, that I think you've got a couple of those. But the interesting part about that is not only have they finally reached their spending targets, but quite a few of them actually managed to save a little bit of money in 2020. <laughs> I mean, like, what's a better combination? You're saving some and you're spending some. It's like the consumer couldn't get it even more right than this, yet economists still want to talk about, will the Americans spend again? You know, Is the tax rules that are going to come into place over the next year or two going to hinder corporate America from making money? And meanwhile, I mean, you look at what corporations are doing right now, they're paying dividends again. You know, they're actually doing capital expenditure again. Their research and development's up like 10% this year. So they're spending money in anticipation that next year is going to be a really, really good opportunity for their businesses. And here you are sitting in cash right now, second guessing 
when basically the CEOs of the best companies in America, they're betting on a big, big year next year. Like, why shouldn't you be betting on a big year next year too? Well, you know, I think if everybody is vaccinated or we have some type of therapeutic, that suddenly you're going to see people flying more. You're going to see people taking cruises. You're going to see travel increase dramatically. And all you got to do is watch the price of oil. I think oil will be a great indicator. As the usage of oil goes up, the price will go up and the COVID virus will go down. But wait a minute, Bob. I'm going to wait. I just want to wait and make sure that people are going to spend again. I just want to make sure people are going to fly again. When that happens, then I'll put my money to work. What do you think of that? Well, I think that's a great lesson about investing, right? Instead of thinking about what's in the headlines, what am I reading? What do I know? What are my friends telling me? What is my family saying to me? Everything that's known is already priced in. We talk about forward looking all the time. That means you got to think about what it's going to be like six months from now, as if, as if everyone's vaccinated, as if everyone's traveling. That's how the market operates. That's price is based on what's going to be happening six months from now, a year from now, sometimes two years from now. So when we say be forward looking, you really got to be like kind of back to the future, like that movie, right? You just got to think about what it's going to be look like six months from now. And all you have to do is remember how great your life was this time a year ago. We're heading back there, gang. And the market is screaming higher. They want to take it with you. Let them. It's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And guys, we've talked about this a lot in the past, but your ego and overconfidence can get in the way of a solid financial plan. And we've seen so many cases that have led to destruction in people's financial life just because their ego and their overconfidence in their abilities made them blind to real, I would say, holes or issues with their financial plan. So I thought we could break that down today so our listeners don't make the same mistakes with their portfolio. And I think one that we see all the time is just having that overconfidence in your ability to manage a portfolio. And man, oh man, if anyone can see holes in portfolios, it's the three of us guys. It's kind of like going to the casino, guys. You know, I've known a lot of folks who have gone to casinos and never, ever have any of my friends, any of my clients, any of my acquaintances ever told me about the big losses they had, only about the big wins and how exciting it was and the free dinners they had, the free rooms. Somehow, if everybody wins, I can't believe those casinos are still viable and still in business. Yeah, Dad, all that marble doesn't pay for itself. And you know, there's the old adage that you don't ever want to confuse brains in a bull market. Just because something's happening now doesn't mean it's going to continue to happen in the future. And what about the rationalizations, right? Like, let's say we know a lot of people that may have sold before the election and then the market went straight up and still rationalizing, well, now I've got to wait for that that tax bill to go through and then I'll be right. And then, you know, the way for the tax bill to go through and then the market goes up again and you get so emboldened with your position that meanwhile, you've missed out on a huge move in the market. You'll never get back again because you let your ego get in the way and then you rationalize your bad decisions, which is like the worst place to be. And what happens is when you're overconfident because you picked a couple of winning stocks, you know, the market inevitably is the most humbling place in the universe. And it's going to take that investment and knock it down 40, 50, 60%. Let's take Amazon, for instance. I mean, with hindsight, Amazon was a no-brainer, right? Great company. Look at they tripled their sales last quarter. You know, who doesn't know Amazon's a great company? My client's grandchildren call me up and say, Mr. Payne, I want to buy Amazon. But you know, you look at Amazon when it went public, and I was there when it went public, and in the next 12 months, it lost 90% in value. Now, let's say you put $10 million into Amazon on a new issue. You're down nine million. What do you do? 
Yeah, right. What do you do? You miss the boat. <laughs> it's already too late. I'm going to keep gambling with my last million, right? I lost nine. I'm not wrong. I'm just early. There's no way in the world you're going to stay invested. You're going to panic and sell. And that's the problem with overconfidence. The other thing too is it's okay to embrace being wrong. Like admit that you're wrong and move on, right? You know, Bob, you have an old Bobism. We should do a show of Bobisms. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. <laughs> you know, and if you have a good financial professional that told you to do one thing and they were right, you know, swallow your pride. <laughs> Get back on track. It's okay. If it's not your profession, it's okay. You know, look, I use a personal trainer. I know how to work out on my own. I can go online. I can use those apps, but there's nothing like having someone that basically knows you specifically, knows what your goals are specifically, is going to hold your hand and is going to see a lot of things you're not going to see because that's all they think about all day long while you're thinking about what you do best. I think it really comes down to this, guys. Do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? To me, that's a no-brainer. But you know, I've worked with uh, CEOs of companies that are 401k, and I had one CEO sat down and he said, "You know, Bob, I'd like to keep following your advice, but I'm outperforming you know your ideas in my own account." And I said, All right, "Let's compare apples to apples." And when we did the analysis, he was really doing terribly, horrible. And he said, "No, look, this company has up this much as that one." I said, "Yeah, but what about these 12 stocks that are way down?" Well, they don't count because I didn't sell them yet. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> you have to compare the value, not whether you bought or sold them. So a lot of times you confuse what the really results are with your own ego, and it prevents you from being successful as an investor. Well, you know what, Ted? There's also the other side of that coin too. It's also a lack of confidence when it comes to investing. I talk to a lot of my friends, and they're getting to the point now where they're starting to make some good money. They're starting to put some money away. And over the last years, they've come to me and said, well, Chris, I don't have enough money to work with you. My answer is always, that's ridiculous. You know, you get money, you get to that sort of wealth by having a good plan in place, by planning towards those long-term goals and having a set plan for savings and investing, not by getting to that, oh, I have a million dollars, now I can make a plan. It's kind of like the old adage, people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. Yeah. The other thing too, Chris, I think, and I see this with my generation too, is this belief that like, oh, the market's like a big Ponzi scheme. Like, oh, I put my money in the market, but at some point it's just going to sell off because it's just gambling anyway. It's not gambling. <laughs> you know, It's your own companies that pay dividends and it compounds your money. And I think you know one thing that we've seen generationally, especially with the maybe younger Generation X into millennials, is you've just sat with so much money in cash the last couple of years because of mistrust, or maybe there's a belief you can make more money in other places. Like we've seen that with real estate, right? Real estate was the hot investment. Can't lose in real estate. Well, a lot of investors are learning out that's not necessarily true. It's very illiquid. It costs a lot. And those returns that sound so, so hot, a lot of times aren't the true returns that you receive once you factor in how much real estate costs to own. Meanwhile, stocks are liquid. They're cheap. They pay great cash flow, and that cash flow goes up over time, but it's just a misconception of understanding how investing really works. And you know, guys, that's the beauty of investing. If you keep it simple, you're successful. And I can't fault people you know, for being cautious, for sometimes being underconfident, because you have all these overconfident charlatans selling products that supposedly fix all those problems. No downside risk, nothing but upside. You know, you get all the gains and none of the losses. You know, these people are selling products that have no track record, that have gigantic fees. And we're fortunate. We have, you know, 45 years of hindsight. We can see that these things don't work. And, you know, the fear of volatility, the fear of losing money, you know, these people prey on all of you. 
And I don't blame you for not having confidence. I don't blame you for being distrustful. It's our job you know, to try to dispel the myths of investing so you can be confident in your success. And the other side of the coin is too, is good investing is just not sexy. <laughs> you know, it's so much sexier to talk about Tesla, to talk about, you know, what stocks I'm buying from Momentum this week. Bob, I remember back in the late 90s when you're the rock star at Merrill Lynch, had the corner office, stocks were hot. You know, everyone had to get into the tech boom. And, you know, Bob had the best haircut that he still has to this day, Chris, best Italian suits as well. And the same thing happened. People got enamored with like tech, they got enamored with all the hot stocks. Meanwhile, had they stayed diversified, stayed with a boring portfolio, they would have made so much more money had they not just gotten enamored with what was hot at the time. Well, that's the thing. If you have a balanced approach to investing, and again, I have a 45-year track record. My portfolio doubles every 11 years or 12 years. You know, If you have that type of consistency with conservative investments, all you have to do is be forward-thinking, right? have the confidence that diversification, having your money spread out, and not worrying about you know being jealous that your neighbor has a lot more Amazon or Apple than you do or Netflix. It doesn't matter. It's compounding. It's saving, like you said, Chris. That's the key to success. A lot of this really reminds me of back in like the late '90s, early 2000s. We had the dot com bubble, right? Like you went to work for that company called Screaming Media. You sold content for websites, and I beyond that, I don't really know what that company did. And like there were so many dot coms out there that were kind of the same way. I had no idea what they did, but people were like, basically, it's like the SPACs, you know, just basically people are throwing money at this stuff and having no idea what they're doing. I remember those days. I remember I would prospect cold call all day and these dot-com companies like dogs.com, they would be out of business the next week. <laughs> it, was, it was a hard time to be a cold caller at the top of the market in March of 2000 or May of 2000 when I got out of college. I commended you for uh, getting up every day and calling those companies. It couldn't have been easy, but you know, it reminds me of a lot of what's going on right now. Everybody's so hot on big tech, you know, big growth right now. And, you know, just look at like this past week with the announcement from Pfizer that they have a vaccine with 90% efficacy. It's not growth that's taking off. Like if you look at the market today, it's value that's really started to take off. Things that, you know, really haven't performed and everybody's so hot on growth, but you know, how much money do you have in value right now? Yeah, Chris, it's a funny thing. I mean, we had the Pfizer vaccine come out on that day. It was an exciting day, right? We woke up in the morning, futures were up over a thousand points. I called Bob. Bob and I were just like talking about how great we are, <laughs> how smart we are, which is probably a bad omen anyway. And the thing you had to realize was look, what stocks were going up? Stocks that had to do with the reopening of the economy, right? Financials were going up, energy stocks were going up, and tech stocks were actually going down. So I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how this is all going to end, but bottom line is you got to look at your portfolio now and you got to say, do I have too much money in the stocks that have benefited too much this year and not enough money in those stocks are going to benefit when the world reopens? And make no mistake, the world's reopening and you've got a plan for it. Bob, Chris, and I now have spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review at www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click on the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieve 
financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. And before we get into it, if you like our content, maybe you love our content, please subscribe below. You can click on the subscribe button. You can get our content every single week. And if you have a comment or question, leave it below. We love the conversation. It'll give us ideas for content. We'll respond to all your comments. So don't be shy. Reach out. Okay, guys. Vehicle sales have experienced a V-shaped recovery, increasing 36% in the third quarter of 2020 from the previous quarter. Auto manufacturing contributes more jobs than any other industry when you take account all the parts and the suppliers and support services for a major auto plant and the aftermarket servicers and replacement parts suppliers. You know, in hindsight, it's not surprising that car sales went up. Who wants to ride the subway? And suddenly, I've seen more New York license plates in New Jersey than I ever had in my life. People are coming out of the cities. They're buying in the suburbs of New Jersey. And the subway doesn't get you there. And if it did, I don't think anybody would take the subway. So car sales increasing, not a shock in hindsight, but who could have predicted that last March? Absolutely. And one of the reasons why the unemployment numbers have come down so much over the course of the last couple of months. All right, Chris. Wellbull Financial, an online broker used by younger traders, often labeled the bros. So volumes popped 10% above normal on election day. Of course, the most popular trades were Tesla, Apple. Neo, another electric car company, Amazon, and Microsoft. Yeah, I think this is a great lesson for younger traders who don't have a lot of money at this point and not as much at risk. Buying the popular stocks doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to continue to appreciate over time. If you look at a lot of these stocks like Tesla, Apple, they've been down since election day, whereas other areas of the market have really started to appreciate. Yeah, and maybe the bros are doing trades and smoking weed, which goes my next stat, Bob. Voters in New Jersey, Arizona, Montana, and South Dakota approved legalized recreational marijuana sales. With recreational weed now in 14 states in the District of Columbia, nearly half the U.S. adult population has access to legal cannabis. Thank God. That could put pressure on the federal government to at least ease federal financial restrictions on the industry. All right, Ryan, now you have me worried. We have a V-shaped recovery in car sales, and now more people are smoking pot legally. I think I'm going to stay at home. I don't know, but it sounds like that's what you do in your home. <laughs> All right, cash is trash, Chris. The average prime money market fund yields just 0.03%, and in total, hold over $1 trillion in assets. Meanwhile, the latest forecast by Goldman Sachs that the S&P 500 companies will pay out $508 billion in dividends this year, only down slightly, just 1% from what they paid out in 2019. And for the record, Goldman said that dividend payouts are going to be like 30% lower a couple months ago. Man, they got it wrong. Right. You always say that economists make fortune tellers look good. And I think that's the case here. But more importantly, if you look at like the S&P 500 pays out about 1.56% dividends, that's like 156% better than what you're getting in cash. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And it also makes me think, when is all that cash sitting on the sidelines going to funnel its way back into the market? I see another melt-up coming, gentlemen. Bob, gridlock is good with the S&P 500 rising 60% on average during periods when neither party had full control of the House and the Senate. Gridlock could be an unappreciated tailwind in 2021. Well, I may uh, be unappreciated, Rye, but based on the returns of the market since the election was announced, 
Looks like the market appreciates it. We're having an enormous rally already heading into 2021. I think we'll be at new highs before 2021 starts. And you know what I predict? New highs over the next four years. Bob, you heard it here first. All right, Chris, this is your stat. Berkshire Hathaway appeared to sell about $4 billion of Apple shares in the third quarter, according to a disclosure released Saturday in conjunction with the company's third quarter earnings release. For those of you who don't know, Berkshire Hathaway is chaired by Warren Buffett and by all intents and purposes, probably the world's greatest investor. And I have to say, if he's selling Apple stock, tells me it's probably not the best time to buy here. Yeah. And you never go broke taking a profit and trimming back on your winners is a good lesson for everybody. Well, gentlemen, another great show. If you love our show, you like our show, and just to appease Chris, please click on the subscribe button. Tell us what you think. Please leave a comment. We're always looking for feedback to make our show better. That's this week's Pain Points of Wealth. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Music